So today we're going to talk about serving, and I'm, I'm talking about serving in the life of the church. And really, I find when we come to God's Word, I find it challenging. Challenge to think, are we actually, as we read God's Word, are we allowing it to get into our spirits and change us? Are we? Because we can hear it and hear it and hear it. And as Ian said there, sometimes the older we get and the more we've heard it, the less impact it has. I think that's why we need to respond to the word when we hear it the first time and say, here I am, send me. Here I am, I'm ready to serve you. Wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to do, here I am. Because the longer we put it off, if we hear God speaking to us and we put it off and we put it off and we put it off, what ends up happening is that inside there becomes a hardening of our hearts to the, the voice of God, a hardening of our hearts to what the Spirit wants us to do. And so when we hear the voice of God, we need to respond to it. And today we're going to talk about serving. I don't know if anybody remembers the Bob Dylan song, Got to Serve Somebody. Anybody ever heard that one? Any Bob Dylan fans? Yeah, there's a few of us who are old enough to remember and daft enough to remember Bob Dylan. Um, and this, in this song, he talks about all sorts of people, rich, poor, famous, infamous, uh, people who are unknown. Um, and the chorus goes like this, but you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody. It may be the devil, it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. I could get my guitar and my wee harmonica brace. I used to play one of those. And do a wee bit of Bob Dylan impersonation, but I'm not going to. And spared you that. But there was something about that song when I heard it as a young person. I thought, there's, there's some real truth in that song. We've all got to serve somebody. It might be the devil. It might be the Lord. But we're all going to have to serve somebody. And it's so true. We all serve somebody. The Bible says that we can't serve two masters, doesn't it? We can't serve money and God at the same time. We can't be driven by money, but also be guided by God into a relationship with Him. We've got to choose who we're going to serve. And I last spoke on service in the church here last year, 2nd of October, and I don't know if you remember, we looked at the life of Eric Liddell as an example of somebody who demonstrates a Christian life of service. And the more I learned about Eric Liddell, the more I was incredibly impacted by him, by his life, and moved by the way that he responded to the voice of God as it came to him. And the Bible's full of people who served God, people who heard his still small voice and responded to it. Not everybody right away. Think about Moses, oh, I'm to this, I'm to that, I can't do it, I'm not gifted enough, send somebody else. But he eventually came round and responded to what God said. One of my favorite characters in the Bible is Joseph. Joseph, the one with the colored coat who had 11 brothers. And uh, we read how his 11 brothers sold him into slavery. He came to work for a man called Potiphar as a slave, was falsely accused, thrown into jail. Even when he's in jail, he finds a way to serve in jail. And through his faithfulness, he eventually finds himself serving the king of Egypt, the Pharaoh. And so he finds himself fulfilling the purpose of God for his life. He didn't start off in the place of service to the Pharaoh. He started off annoying his brothers. 
and telling them about these dreams that God had given them. Maybe, maybe for some of us, maybe for some of us, we've got a dream that God's given us, something that we've heard in the Spirit, and maybe we've not been annoying our brothers and sisters with it yet. But maybe some of us need to be stirring that up and saying, I think God has been saying, I think we need to do. Not, I think I'm going to be the big cheese because God's been speaking to me, but God's been saying, I think we need to look in this direction when it comes to doing something for the kingdom of God. Uh, I don't know if it is getting older, but I seem to be having all these flashbacks of songs that I used to sing when I was young. And uh, there's another one that um, uh, we sang at the Baptist Youth World Conference in Glasgow. And it was the Graham Kendrick song, From Heaven You Came, Helpless Babe. Do you know that song? Yes? Okay. This is our God, the servant king. He calls us now to follow him, to bring our lives as a daily offering. Wow. Really? Every day? To come and present ourselves as an offering to God? Do we really do that every day? An offering of worship to the servant king. And I remember we sang the songs, but something of the truth that we sang in the songs got into our hearts. And we began to respond to it, and we thought, this Jesus is worth following. This Jesus is worth serving. This Jesus is worth giving our life to. There's a cause that is far greater. And we've thought about that cause over the last couple of weeks and thought about the big picture. And then I'm going to open up the Bible to the book of Matthew, chapter 20. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation, um, just to be a little bit different today. And it's a story, that's why I'm reading it from the New Living, because it reads better as a story. And it says this, The mother of James and Jones, the son of Zebedee, came to Jesus, we're reading from verse 20, with her sons. She knelt respectfully to ask a favor. What is your request, he asked. I love Jesus' response. Very respectful. You know, I, I could just imagine today, Leslie coming up with Colin and Alan and coming up and saying, look at my sons. These guys are great, and they are great. Hey? Where, where, where are they going to fit into your big plan, Jesus? I want you to, to find a really good job for them in the kingdom. And their mother was so proud of them. And this is what she says. In your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you. One on your right and the other on your left. But Jesus answered by saying to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Oh yes, they replied, we're able. But they actually had no idea what Jesus was referring to. His imminent suffering for the sin of all mankind. Or where he was leading them at that point as individuals. They lacked understanding and wisdom. And this is what Jesus says to them, verse 23. Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup, but I have no right to say who will sit on my right or on my left. My Father has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. Listen to this, verse 24. When the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, 
they were indignant. It's a great word, that, indignant. Have you ever thought about what that word means? It's in, in the King James, it talks about how they were moved with indignation. They were moved by what they felt. Have you ever been moved by something that you felt? Some of you look as if you need to be moved at the moment. Wakey, wakey. You know that moment when you're so incensed by something that somebody says and they just jump up in your, out of your chair and you go, that's not right. Have you ever been there where you just, there's a, a sudden response to something that you see or hear? Have you ever been there? You're allowed to say yes. Yeah, I've been there. I've re- I remember vividly watching things on TV. I grew up um, a long time ago when there was trouble in Northern Ireland. And I remember seeing some of these things in the television and just jumping up out of the chair and going, that's absolutely terrible what's happening there. We see it in our world today. Does it make you jump up out of your chair? Is there something that rises up within you that says this isn't right? As we look at the injustice in our country even, the injustice in our world with our neighbours, people who have nothing, people who the food bank is reaching out to, they have nothing. Does it cause something within us to rise and say, this isn't right, something needs to be done about this? These two lads come with their mum, and the disciples hear what they say, and they just go, who do they think they are? Who do they think they are? Do they think they're better than us? Does he think he's better than me? Who does he think he is? Sitting at Jesus' right hand. I write. But then Jesus called them together, verse 25, and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be leader among you must be your servant. The Greek word for leader there is megas. Sounds like mega. Sounds like, if you're from Glasgow, the big man. The big cheese. The big dog. Whoever wants to be the leader among you must be your servant. If you want to be the big man, you've got to become the small man. That's what Jesus is saying. You must become a servant. And the word that he's using there is diakonos. Verse 27 goes on to say, And whoever wants to be first, the Greek word is protos, meaning foremost or chief. Whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. A different word that's used here. The word is doulos, which speaks of being bound to one's master. You're bound to somebody to serve. And this is what it goes on to say. Verse 28. For the Son of Man, Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Just to draw out a little bit more about the difference between these two words, diakonos and doulos. Diakonos is generally speaking to be distinguished from doulos, which means a bond servant, a slave, being bound to one's master. Whereas diakonos views a servant in relationship to his work. Doulos views him in relationship to his master. Bound to the master with work that we have to do. I wonder, I just wonder, 
Are we bound to the Master? Are we truly bound to Jesus? And are we doing the works which he has asked us to do? Those little things which he has whispered into our ears, we've maybe heard them in our spirit, maybe we've not done something about it yet. That's what he's asking us to do. And to follow his example, for the Son of Man came not to serve, uh, to be served, but to serve others. And one of the keys in serving is giving. If you can't give away, then you're not likely to be a person who serves. I'm thinking back to a little thought, actually. I spoke at the start about do we allow God's word to get into us and to transform us? The church should be filled with people who are servants. People who put others before themselves. And I thought about this. I thought there are people in our world today who are servants. People in our world today today who don't know Jesus who are people who give. People who give sacrificially. There are people in our world today who take, 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 take. I wonder if in the church that person that we are when we come in when we don't know Jesus is the same person or does the person who take, 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 take when he hears this or she hears this become transformed in the inside and God does a work inside where that taker then becomes a giver somebody who is giving away of themselves of their energy, of their time of their finances serving others you see there are two types of people in the world there are people who give and people who take people who give and people who take and I sometimes think it's in the church as well people in the church who give and people in the church who take are we being transformed by the word of God are we being transformed in the very depths of our being to be people who are becoming like Jesus what does it say? he gave his life he became a servant are we becoming the people who are more and more like Jesus all the time? Are we becoming servants? Or are we sticking to our default settings? The default is, I'm in it for the, the money. I'm in it for me. I'm in it to take whatever I can take. And that's a challenging thought. The psalmist in Psalm 116 verse 12 in the New King James Version says this, what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits towards me? That word render is a turning back. What will I give back to God for all his benefits towards me? All the things that God has poured into us, our giftedness, our skills, our talents, think about all that we are gifted with. Just naturally speaking, how are we giving that back to him what are you giving away where are you giving it and with what attitude are you turning things back to God and saying here I am here are my gifts here are my skills here are all these things take them back take them back 
Jesus gave himself to his disciples, to his family, to the crowds, to the weak, to the sick, to the marginalized, to the outcast, to the leper, even to Romans, to Jews, to to a Samaritan woman at a well, to the demon-possessed, to the old, to the young, even to his enemies. For three and a half years, he gave of himself, and ultimately, he gave of his life for all of us. Ultimately, he gave of himself to the will, he gave himself to the will of the Father who had sent him. Unfortunately, most of us are too busy serving ourselves. But there's another dynamic at work here, and it's the dynamic of humility. This is what we see in Jesus as a servant. We see humility. And humility isn't so common in our world. Not many of us want to become slaves or servants. Not many of us want to be the ones running around after others. And I've never been able to get my head around why people grasp after leadership, particularly in church. If you desire to be a leader, (laughs) then you're asking for some gray hairs. You're asking for some trouble. Because if you desire to be a leader, you're desiring to become the servant of all people. That's what you're desiring to become. You're desiring to empty yourself on behalf of others time and time and time again. And if you're not coming back to God to be filled, then you're in trouble. And to everyone who leads in whatever capacity in the church, whether it is in the church, in a group in the church, in your workplace, whatever it is, you will know that when you lead, there is a cost to leadership. And particularly Christian leadership, because Christian, true Christian leadership isn't interested in itself. And we see this demonstrated. I'm going to read again John chapter 13. We'll read from verse 1. Again, I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. And you'll recognize the story instantly. And I'm watching the clock, honest. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and to return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Listen to this. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, the servant king. He has authority over everything. And that he had come from God and would return to God. And this is what he does with his authority. He got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped a towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash the disciples' feet drying them with the towel he had around him. And when Simon Peter saw, he said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I am doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never wash my feet. Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. And Peter flips over to the other extreme Then wash my hands and my head as well, Lord, not just my feet. 
And Jesus replied, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash except for the feet to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew who would betray him. And that's what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. And after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, do you understand what I was doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, because that's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are no greater than their masters, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. It's an incredible story, one that we need to stop and think about. I'm just going to pull out a few points from it and probably we'll come back to this story to, to, to share a message on it. But let's think for a moment about the Last Supper. At one point, as recorded by Luke, the disciples are arguing about who is the greatest, but Jesus interjects by saying, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. The context of this Last Supper is the internal suffering of the Messiah. He's come to his time. Think about the most difficult thing that you have ever done. It might be a conversation that you didn't want to have with somebody and you had to work up to that conversation. Or it may be coming and speaking in front of people, which scares loads of people. <coughs> Think about the scariest thing you've done and how you felt before that. Can you feel the knot in your stomach? Can you feel the nerves start to rise? Can you feel your body start to shake and sweat as you think about what you're just about to do? I'll never forget when I worked with Crusaders, I went up to a gathering of Church of Scotland ministers and I was sitting on the front row just waiting to be invited up to do my bit to talk about this youth organisation that we worked for. Probably 200, 300 ministers in this room Church of Scotland ministers, I was quaking in my shoes. I was actually physically shaking. I was trying to stop it and I couldn't. I was so nervous about getting up and facing this gathering. I remember in the moment praying, Lord, you need to help me. I, I don't even know if I can get up and speak. And I remember getting up out of my seat when I was invited. My name was mentioned, getting up out of my seat. And as soon as I turned around and faced everybody, there was a, a total peace just descended. It was the weirdest thing. Like God answered that prayer. Peace. But I remember so clearly the convulsions that were going on inside of me as I was facing this moment. And then I think about Jesus at this Last Supper. Think about what was going on inside of him. And yet, in that place, he's able to serve his disciples He's able to say the things that need to be said, to do the things that need to be done, and from a place of security, he knew who he was. That's the context. Let's think about the culture, the lowly place of a servant, and the shocking role reversal as Jesus takes the towel. Right, okay, we all go about with shoes on, unless your name's Josh, okay, who runs about all time at Soul Survivor Camp with nothing on his feet. But we all wear shoes. Imagine living in a culture where your feet are exposed to the muck that's around. And it's not just our kind of nice 
kind of like dirty dirt, fresh dirt type stuff. It's really dirty dirt, right? Because there's donkey poo in it, and there's all sorts of things in the dirt, and you're wandering about, and your feet get caked in this stuff, and when you come in to dinner, you've got to sit down, and somebody's got to wash your feet so that you're clean enough to sit at the table. That's the servant's job. That's not my job. I'm the big dog here. Jesus could have said that. He could have said, Judas, you're about to betray me, so you're going to get the rubbish job of coming and washing everybody's feet. He didn't. He even washed Judas's feet. Isn't that incredible? He takes the position of a servant, and it's a shocking role reversal. And then there's the cry of Peter, not my feet. And pride rises up within Peter, I think. Have we ever been aware of pride rising within us when somebody wants to come and serve us? Have we ever noticed that? I wonder, I wonder if we had to get a bucket and a chair and a towel and bring it up here if anybody would want to get their feet washed. Have we got a bucket? Oh, we just so happen to have one with water in it. Imagine that. Martin, how did you know? That's the weirdest thing. It's so strange. I wonder if we have a bucket with water in it, okay, and a towel. I wonder if anybody would want to come and have their feet washed. I wonder who would wa- <laughs> There's always one. I wonder who would like to do the foot washing. Have you come, Liz? Have you come? Does anybody want to have their... Could you imagine me sitting here and saying, I'm the senior pastor of this church. Somebody's going to come and wash my feet. You go, I right. <laughs> Who does he think he is? Would anybody want to have their feet washed? Interesting one, eh? Think about this. Think about this. Think about this moment. Nobody wants to have their feet washed, Liz. I don't want my feet washed either. Because <laughs> they're too tickly. Imagine it. Imagine the moment. Does anybody want to come and have their feet washed? We have a volunteer. <laughs> to demonstrate what Jesus is talking about. Think about the context. Jesus, you can you need to take your shoes off, you're gonna get your feet washed. Think about the context. It's Jesus' last moment, the nerves the things that are rising up within us. We see it evidenced in Gethsemane when he's praying. He's asking his disciples to pray with him. And he's so distressed that he's sweating blood. So distressed inside. And yet in this moment, he serves his disciples by washing their feet. The culture shock that there was in this moment. There's a funny smell around here. I'm all kidding. I'm all kidding. And then there's the cry, not me. You can wash his feet. No, you're not going to wash my feet. There's pride rises within Peter's heart. 
You're not going to wash me. And then he realizes he's messed it up again. And he says, wash my hands, my feet, wash everything. To take the place of a servant. The pride that arises within us when we want somebody to come, uh, when, when somebody wants to come and serve us. We need to allow people to serve. And it's a hard lesson to learn because we're all so independent. Well done. Keep going. You see, it's a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to do in a church service. But the reality is that for each of us, we need to learn how to serve because Jesus has commanded us to serve. Each and every one of us, God has deposited something within us, gifts, skills, talents, things that are within us that he gives us opportunity to use in his kingdom, that upside-down kingdom, in the kingdom where the servant is actually the king of kings and the lord of lords. He is the one who's given us this command. It tells us of Jesus that he gave up his divine privileges. He took on the form of a servant. In his very nature, he was God, but he gave it all up to come and to serve. How much more in the church should we be those who are willing to serve, serve each other, serve in the life of this community? Our community needs the church to rise up and be servants. Because if we're going to rise up and fulfill God's purpose, we've got to get down to the lowest position. We've got to get down beside the people who need us to come down where they are and lift them up and point them to Jesus. Because Jesus can transform even the lowest of people. Imagine. Imagine what we could do if the church got hold of this message. If the church in Whitburn got hold of this message. And our community begins to be transformed through the love of Christ. Thank you for our volunteers. You've done a fantastic job. It's a challenge. Not everybody wants to be foot washing. Thank you, Liz. You did a great job. Thank you, Ian, for volunteering. Not everybody wants to be served. I've I've noticed that in life. Not everybody wants to be served in life because there's this fierce independence that we all have. It's not just about us. It's not just about our immediate family. It's about something bigger. It's about a church coming together. And if you're in this church, and this is where you're called to be, then we have a job to do, and everybody has a part to play in it. No matter how big or how small. And I'm going to close with these words of C.S. Lewis. When he talks about our privilege, listen to this, to play great parts without pride and little ones without dejection, rejecting nothing through that false modesty which is only another form of pride. God has given us the opportunity to do incredible things. That incredible thing might be to pour a glass of water for somebody. You don't know what effect that that's going to have. It might not be in the confines of this building. It might be out in the community. It might be in your family, in your street. It might be as you're walking up Socky Hall Street in Glasgow and you see somebody in need and you hear the Holy Spirit say, that person needs your time. It could be anywhere. Are we going to listen to the voice of God? Are we going to respond to that voice? 
And are we going to take that opportunity to serve the King of Kings, the servant King? He led by example, and he encourages us to do the same. In the church here, there are many things which go on week by week just to make things happen in here. And I make jokes about things. But the reality is that we all need to be involved. I see that crack in the ceiling. How long has that been there? Too long. That crack in the ceiling's been there for 15 years. 15 years. And there's other cracks have appeared. Who fixes the cracks? Who cleans the carpet? This is our family home, if you think about it that way. There's lots of things that we can do to contribute. There are lots of ministries in the, ch- in the life of the church where people can serve, where people can get involved. We have a food bank which is always looking for volunteers. We have a 40th celebration next week. We could do with some bottles of juice. Serving, giving, rather than leaving it to the same people all the time. We have opportunity. The person that you work beside who doesn't know Jesus yet, and you hear the voice of God whispering and saying, I want you to say such and such to that person. I want you to get alongside that person. I want you to just express my love to that person. We all have opportunity. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us today. Father, we thank you for the incredible the incredible reality of Jesus' ministry as we think about it. Father, we thank you that he has given us this example of how to serve one another. Father, of how to serve you, of how to serve our community. Father, of how to serve in this world as we think about Ron and Joanna going all the way over to the Philippines. Father, we just thank you that you have given to us. And as your word says, freely you have uh, received, freely give. And Father, we pray that you would stir us up to be people who give. Father, stir us up to be people who serve. Father, stir us up to be people who have an ear for the voice of the Spirit and a heart to obey. Father, stir us up to be the church that you call us to be. Father, we just pray that you do your work in us and through us. And Father, we pray that your name would be glorified. Father, Jesus said that if he be lifted up, And he was talking about his crucifixion. If he be lifted up, then he would draw all men unto himself. Father, we pray that you'd help us to present this incredible Savior to a world which is in need. Father, help us to go with that message out into this week. Father, help us to go with hearts that are willing and ready to serve, even if it's a strange and unusual job. Father, we pray that you'd stir us up to be people who serve. Father, not to do it out of a sense of duty, or guilt, but Father, to be those who do it out of a sense of just incredible gratitude for all that you have done for us. Freely we have received. Let us freely give. Father, may we know your hand upon us as we go into this week, as we serve you, as we seek to draw close to you. Father, may we know your presence in our lives. And Lord, we pray for those who are not with us today. Lord, there's a few empty seats here today. And some who we think will be ill and uh, just need uh, your touch in their bodies or minds or spirits. Lord, we pray that you'd come and that you'd minister grace into those who are not with us. Father, you know every situation, you know every circumstance. And Lord, we pray that you would just minister into these situations. May it be for your glory. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, let's be servants. Let's be the people who do, not just say...